Happy New Year. Great to um, be together. So glad that you're here this morning. And uh, trust that you're well. Looking forward to a new year. And on a new year, we always start the year with uh, something of... Um, a vision message. Um, we don't change the vision every year. That's the same to see lives transformed every day across the bay, but we bring an emphasis. And uh, that's what I want to bring um, this morning. And uh, I've called this message uh, today pruning for fruitfulness. And uh, if there was a, a little subtitle, today's message would be, I wonder if dot, dot, dot. All right, you'll find out what that means in a minute. God's been pruning. I think he's been pruning personally, individuals, us, me. I think he's been pruning the church corporately, us community-wise and across the nation and the world. Who are we <laughs> and what is the church all about are questions that many of us have asked. And uh, pruning isn't, Pleasant, but God our Father who loves us prunes us and his church for greater fruitfulness. Amen? I want to talk about a couple of different words, two prophetic words that are over us as a community recently. One that we, is that we would be pruned um, not for form, that we wouldn't be like a, a garden centered as beautiful privet hedges but actually those are essentially dying, but that we would be like an orchard, uh, fruit in its abundance hanging from trees. And a specific word that came from Alan Kenny on the 18th of February 2020, he said this, he said, when the barren become pregnant, prepare for growth. When the barren give birth, plan for thousands. When we see this in the natural, we will see it in the spiritual. And it's a prophetic word I want to just kind of preach into, develop, both from stories from the Bible and from our own community uh, this morning. It reminded me straight away of Isaiah 54. Sing, barren woman, you who have never born a child. Burst out into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in Labor. Israel as a nation was often likened to the bride, as it were, to God in a marriage. And in their more difficult times and desolate times, that nation was called barren. And along with it came the shame and the disgrace of barrenness, which was the very same thing that happened personally in that culture. And in this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah's saying this woman can sing again. As the captives taken into exile were returning, that there was this sense that there would be an enlargement of that people group. And so we read those words, don't we? Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your curtains wide. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And I believe that something of that has been happening in Citygate over last year. We stretched out to the left, I think it is, to Southbourne as a multi-site. We had a multi, we're doing two meetings here in, in, in Central here. 
Um, in the evenings, we've, we've lengthened, we've strengthened, we've had to develop more leaders and hosts and worship leaders and servers and because God's amongst us and doing things, we've stretched out. It also reminded me of a story in 1 Samuel of a lady called Hannah. She was married to a man called Elkanah. He had another wife called Penina. And uh, Penina had children, but Hannah was barren. Hannah used to go to the temple, and she used to go there in desperation and in fervent prayer to seek that she would produce children. She kept going. There's some things we can learn from this story in 1 Samuel. I'd encourage you to read it. She kept going to the house of the Lord. She had a renewed desire every day almost to be in his presence. So do we. She prayed for a breakthrough. She had deep conviction that fruitfulness would come and it provoked fervent prayer. She was ridiculed by Penina, who used to ridicule her the fact that she never had children. And even Eli the priest, in one moment where Hannah was praying, her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out, he thought that she was drunk. And yet in the face of adversity and discouragement and misunderstanding, she lived courageously for him. So should we. And she, when God in his due course provided her with a son called Samuel, she dedicated him to the Lord's service. And right off the bat, anything and everything that God has done and we perhaps will see if we see greater fruitfulness right now on us to vow like Hannah did that we give it all back to him because he is the one who deserves the glory. Do you know what? Since that prophetic word was given, we've had two couples in this church who weren't able to have children, who have had children. I want you to, it is amazing. It is amazing. And I want you to hear of their stories. And they're gonna share them now on the video. Yeah, um, well, if you don't know, um, Hannah and I have been married for 10 years. We moved to Bournemouth in 2014, joined Citygate Church. Um, yeah, we've always wanted to have a family, um, and we got, we got pregnant quite quickly in 2015, but we had a miscarriage, um, and yeah, we've spent since then trying to get pregnant again but it's been more complicated than we thought so we've been on a bit of a journey of infertility yeah we? yeah yeah so uh, initially um it was uh difficult to get much help because we'd been pregnant um mm. so there was a length of time for that mm. and then um also just everything sort of seemed well yeah. um from the doctor's perspective um but it kind of got quite complicated and eventually my periods did stop um, and um, I, uh, we tried some, some intervention, I was getting some help for that um, but it wasn't successful um, and consultants confirmed that I wasn't ovulating so that's that what needed to happen. That was the reason why we weren't getting pregnant. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the nature of sort of living with having had that grief of a miscarriage and living with infertility, um, you know, I was trying to carry on normal life, but obviously that was that was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did throw up some health issues for me, uh, which I do sometimes still struggle with um, and have done. And then, and also before we moved to Bournemouth, um, I left a really difficult work situation. So I had some trauma to deal with from that as well. So there was a lot of loss in this period of time. Um, Mm. So it was very challenging for us together, wasn't it? I had difficulty with work as well. I was losing my job left, right and centre. And it's just, I didn't know when it was going to end and I was just feeling completely unsettled with work over a number of years and unemployment. And so I felt quite empty as a man in terms of work and family and, and in terms of how old I was and, and yeah, I felt quite broken from that from that point of view as well. It was a lot to go through together, wasn't it? Yeah, all just sort of at once. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of hopelessness, disappointment waiting during that time and um, the treatment that Amazon was meant to get to ovulate but it didn't and the consultants confirmed with it the test that it wasn't, it hadn't worked and that treatment had to stop just before lockdown in 2020 so we didn't know when it was going to start up again and I think our prayers had pretty much run dry by that point because we just we just did not know what 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 to do and you know we basically just needed a miracle at that point. Yeah it was, it was actually almost laughable <laughs> just the obstacle wasn't it and just knew god we just need a miracle um and just really asked for that and um yeah and then the next natural cycle that i had i I conceived naturally supernaturally um yeah god god really came through and he came through at that at that point because it was so hard to believe wasn't it Mm. um yeah i I mean Uh, yeah it was i was just so thrilled that i was going to be a dad like it's just the most amazing feeling that 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 prayer, feeble prayer, was just answered in that way. Like, yeah. And I just had so much peace throughout the whole pregnancy, despite it being difficult and having walked through what we had, but just felt so much supernatural peace. And just um, when we had Hudson on the 13th of December, 2020, um, you know, just that fulfillment of our hope was absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, it was just a miraculous time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably learned that my faith was more fragile and yet, in, by God's grace, stronger at the same time than I realised. Um, I, yeah, I, my confidence in God was was knocked through the. Um, and I was really struggling to, genuinely struggling to believe that he had good plans for us, something I'd not struggled to believe before. I uh, just felt like life was telling me otherwise. And yeah, I just had to, in the end, I just had to switch off those lies and just trust God for, for who he was, um, not for what he had done or was mm-hmm. doing, because it didn't seem like he was doing anything. Um, but <clears throat> in the end, like that, his closeness just, pulled me through in a, in a way I hadn't expected and I just he was faithful in all the invisible things like the timing and everything it just made it all work mm. yeah I think 
I mean, there's so many things, isn't there, when you go through things. There's just so much that you do learn about yourself and, you know, hopefully learn about God. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I realised that I could say more to God than I ever thought. Um, although I actually found that really difficult because I like pleasing God. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I, I, so I learned about I learned about that in, in a difficult way, but also, you know, that um, when I really did struggle to battle on, actually, you know, God's faithfulness was what helped me. It wasn't it wasn't my me battling. It was Him that saw me through and that was faithful and merciful. And you know, I get I got pregnant at a point where I was, you know, more detached probably um, from Him than I would have liked to have been, and. You know, um, I suppose even you know my my doubts and my feelings can't thwart God's plans. And you know, He, it's actually very releasing to have seen His faithfulness when I was struggling with faith, and that makes Him really trustworthy. The supernatural protection that we felt has been brilliant, and um, you know, just having Hudson has just been. Um, it really has been the part of that healing, start of that healing. Um, and yeah, looking in his eyes is a joy. <laughs> So Martin and I have been married since August 2016 and we've always wanted to have children. I mean, we even discussed baby names on our second date. Sounds crazy, but it's true. <laughs> So we really felt it was God's plan for us to have a child, but a few years into our marriage, we realized that actually this was much more trickier than it was. We were really struggling to conceive. Um, so we went to the GP at that time, had a few tests, um, and the message back to us was, go home, crack on, there doesn't seem to be much uh, that we can do for you at this time. I mean, this was a horrible feeling for us we really felt that it was God's plan for us to have children and we had so much love to give a child. And at that time I massively struggled with seeing people around me getting pregnant. It felt like every single female that I knew in my life was suddenly pregnant and, um, and that just I really found that hard to deal with in my own heart. Um, now what we ended up doing was seeking the advice of a specialist and um, had many other tests, a lot more in depth. Um, and actually they found out that I uh, have polycystic ovary syndrome, which uh, significantly decreases the chances of getting pregnant naturally. Um, and it, we very quickly discovered that if we were going to get anywhere, it would most likely involve a lot of medication, including some needles. I mean, Chola's needle phobic, so this was a problem. <laughs> I mean, I would assist with the injections every day and each time we did one we would always have worship music playing, mm. praying and remembering that God is bigger than this and that God will get us through this. Definitely, I mean we were always praying and uh, we're so thankful for the support we had from people in, in church and particularly in uh, our friends and our life group it was so important to us. Mm. But in November 2020, as part of our IVF journey, we were getting ready to go to hospital to, for Cheryl to go through a procedure recollection and the day before our consultant cancelled it. Mm. 
this was a massive, massive low for us. And actually, where we had been um, seeking the advice of the specialists, we were suddenly put on an emotional roller coaster of, mm. of hope. Um, suddenly, we were given these massive highs where we weren't experiencing them before. We were, we were moving forward with things. And then to have a low like that, uh, right at the last moment, mm. was so crushing for us. And actually, hope was the only thing that we could cling on to at that time. But a few months later, we actually made it to the hospital. We got, we went through the egg collection and then we had a waiting game. Mm. Then one Saturday morning, we did a pregnancy test and it was positive. We were pregnant. <laughs> Which is amazing. And one of the most surreal experiences. We had had to take so many pregnancy tests on the on our journey so far and they all were coming up with the negative line. Mm. So to suddenly see the positive line was another emotional high for us. Um, now, pregnancy wasn't uh, the most easiest of journeys for us. There were some interesting times. Um, I'm sure quite a few people would say that about their pregnancies. Um, but, uh, however, on the 22nd of November 2021, our uh, lovely little miracle was born. Um, our lovely little girl called Rosie Hope um, entered our world. Ta-da! Here she is! Here she is! Isn't that amazing? When the barren become pregnant, prepare for growth. When you see this in the natural, you will begin to see it in the spiritual. I want you to begin to get faith. Let faith arise for what God wants to do in and through you and us, for his fruitfulness amongst us. I believe it will be marked by new birth salvation in the coming days. I don't know if you clocked that miracle that Hannah's cycle had pretty much dried up and treatment had ended and there was no reason for that to start again. But God, he did it. He did it. I wonder if... I wonder if God wants to do something significant in us. So what's the plan then, Russ? <laughs> How are we going to do this? Well, it can't just be by adding another day to the week with more activity that is particularly in our own strength. And so I've been drawn to John 15 about remaining in his vine. I believe it's a key to fruitfulness, as the passage tells us. And we're going to read it together. It says this, John 15, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can, the the, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I'm gonna jump to verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Context here, Jesus teaching his disciples Perhaps there was a, a vine branch on the ground. Perhaps it was Passover time. They were near the temple. On the temple gate, there would have been a, a picture of the vine. It was to help the nation of Israel, the Jews of that time, recognize that they were the vine. That it was through the sacrificial system, the law, the covenants. It was through um, their obedience to that and through the priests that they were to bear the fruit of the kingdom. But what Jesus is saying here is that the, the life that you or everyone is looking for as he's teaching the disciples is not found in that nation particularly. It is found in me. It would have been a massive shock for them. And it would have come on the back of his other teaching that we read in John of, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It would have come on the back of, I am the light. And it comes now and he says, I am that vine. This and the life that you're looking for is to come through me. You see, the barren woman of Isaiah is fulfilled, if you like, in Jesus as a whole other bunch of people, not just the Jews and the Israelites, but the Gentiles and all of us now are now open and can be included into the vineyard, as it were. And so he uses this picture of a vineyard, like the one on the screen here. The vine is Jesus. The branches, that's us. And the gardener is the father, the vine dresser who cares for us. And there is fruit as a result of our intimacy with Jesus as we stay connected with him. Let's have a look at this a bit more. Verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine. By saying that he's the true vine, he's indicating that there are other philosophies, there are other ways to live. John Tyson, when he talks about this, he talks about source, power, and outcome or fruit. Source, like the meaning of life, where do you find that? What's the place that you go to? Power to live that life 
and then what you are looking for, the outcome. And he says everyone has to answer these questions for themselves. You see, if you have Joe Wicks as your source of meaning and you rely on his exercise class as the power to live, then you might well get fitter, healthier, and lose some weight, perhaps, for the new year. And Jesus wants to just highlight, and I want to highlight, a couple of other vines. The first one I highlight is the religious vine. That is not the way. The religious vine, something that some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were caught up in was that it's all about performance and behavior as to whether you ever reach it to God or not. And actually, so do the other religions of the world. This will exhaust, it will distort, and it will destroy you. It's all about whether you'll have a good day or a bad day. And if you feel good about yourself, you probably do well. If you don't, you feel, and it goes horribly wrong. Jesus says, that's not it. There's other vines. There's vines of success and vines of finance and vines of reputation and vines of education, vines that people give their lives to. Incredible sometimes amount of time and energy that people will give into these things in the hope of life until they find that the source is not the right one. The power to live that way dries up and the fruit disappears and it leads to disappointment. Jesus' words are saying in verse six that these are like branches that have been thrown away. They've withered. Such branches are thrown onto the fire and burned up. There's a quote from Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of Queen, and uh, he says that uh, he has gained everything in the world, and yet still he, uh, all the success, but he still feels like the loneliest man. He says that's the, the most bitter loneliness that he has heaved, despite all the success of world idolization and millions of pounds, the one thing that it has prevented him from having is a loving, ongoing relationship. Jesus says, that's not the way. He says, I'm the true vine. In verse five, he says, if you remain in me, I and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What is this sense of remain? Well, we heard it time and time again in that passage. It is repeated, repeated, repeated. Sense of abiding, sense of staying, a sense of connecting with him. It's being with Jesus so that all that God is for us in him flows through into us like the life-giving sap of a vine into our very souls and therefore into our lives and therefore in the way that we live and into others. And the thing is, if whether we are trusting in that relationship, whether we're believing in it and receiving from it consistently, will tell you whether you are abiding or not. I wonder if you would say you have been abiding 
and remaining in this vine. Two things to remain in, Jesus tells us. The first one is a, is a personal relationship and it's a love relationship. In verse nine, he says, his father loves me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. I love this because this is how it all starts. You see, the love of the father is poured into Jesus and Jesus pours his love into us. And I and we can doubt that because sometimes I feel unworthy. I can be discouraged sometimes because of the lack of perhaps fruit that I think I should be seeing and maybe aren't seeing. I can um, feel dirty because of sin and the mess that I sometimes get myself into. And my tendency is to disconnect and not abide. But you know this Jesus' love for us in those moments has not changed. It remains steady. It is unchanging. It is constant. And so his plea to us is don't disconnect. Remain. Remain. Because all of that stuff doesn't make him love us any less. And though we might not feel like he loves us, he definitely does. And it's not based on our feelings, it's based on who Jesus is and how he feels about us, which is always positive because he delights in us. He underlines this in verse 15 by saying that we're no longer servants, but we're friends. He doesn't just love us, he likes us. He wants to be with us, to spend time with us. He's interested in the, the smallest things of our lives as well as the deepest heartaches of what we've heard this morning of, oh God, we're crying out to you for a great longing that we have. Second thing is a practical responsibility. Verse seven, he says, if you remain in me and in my words, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What is this? This is the Bible. <laughs> this is his word written down to us and for us, and we're to meditate on it. We're to imbibe it deep down. We live in a culture of sound bites and quick fixes, and content is everywhere. Rather than lots of it and multiple bits of it, I want to suggest and encourage that we begin to take it deeper, slower. If we don't just read it and scan it and get on with our life, as it were, but it becomes a part of us, that it remains in us for the rest of our days. So much of this is to do with um, slowing down. We wanna recommend a book this year, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. You might have read it. I'd encourage you to read it again. Uh, we'll have a couple of copies in the coming weeks so that you can buy it. Um, in here, he says, love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three are incompatible with hurry. <laughs> That's a good quote, isn't it? 
He goes on to talk about some things that will help you. Practices, the Sabbath, silence, solitude, and slowing. And one thing that we have here that I think helps us to do that is that our DNA groups, they're just twos and threes of us gathering together around his word, helping one another to abide in him and become more like him. If you're not yet in a DNA, or if it's waning, uh, perhaps as you started last year, can I encourage you to build it back into you? If you would like to find out of that, you can check those out on the website, citygate.church forward slash DNA groups. Find one or two other people that you feel you could do that with. There's content there for you to go deeper in. And that is one of our biggest encouragements for you this year to help you abide in him. I've got some grapes here. One grape isn't going to produce a lot of wine. And uh, on its own, it's tasty. But I believe the reason that God put them into bunches is because they have greater effect when they're together. And the twos and threes of DNA become the tens and twelves of what we call life groups. These are essential too for us and something that we're gonna be kind of cultivating and digging around as it were this year because we believe that they too are key for our future fruitfulness. As God raises leaders and as we join in community with the love that God has poured into us, that we would be able to express that um, in measures to the world around us. That they, by the love that we have for each other, because we're abiding in his love, see that we are his disciples and want to know something more of his love. The fruit of this is that others know that we are his disciples. Let's go and talk about the fruit a little bit more. Fruit's amazing. Fruit gets picked or drops off every year in season, and yet it always comes back. Fruit grows. It seems to be simple. It's connected to the lifeblood of the branch, which is connected to the trunk, and it just happens. <laughs> and what Jesus is saying here is that as you abide in me, the promise is fruit. It will happen. Have you ever seen a plum tree striving to produce a plum? Actually, that's terrible. That probably looks awful online. <laughs> Someone's going to cut that bit. It doesn't do it, does it? It doesn't work harder. It doesn't strive. It's not a performance. It's not I must, I must, I must. I do better, do better, do better. No, it remains in the vine. And fruit comes.
I'm interested with Hannah in the Bible when she gave a vow that this fruit would be given back to God. You see, God takes that fruit. And even with those in that story, with Rich and Hannah, Crocombe and Martin and Cheryl, he takes that fruit away. Why? In a sense, he says, that's, that's come through. Um, and, and he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have that for my glory, as it were, as we give that to him. Um, why? Because there's more fruit to come. And so I want to say to Rich and Hannah this morning, I want to say to Martin and Cheryl and others, um, they're, 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 you've been struggling and you've known that there's fruit coming and God says, I, I'm gonna, that's for my glory. I'm going to have that. There's more fruit for you. That's the way fruitfulness works. There's more fruit and there's better fruit. And I want to prophesy that over you, Rich and Hannah. I want to prophesy it over you, Martin and Cheryl, and others today who are perhaps been struggling. I know that film could have been very difficult for someone who's still in the process of waiting and trying. And my heart was to bring faith to you and to bring hope that God comes through, but to know that you are being changed even in the process to become more like Jesus. And that is beautiful. And he disciplines us for our holiness so that we would be more fruitful in the seasons to come even than in the moments that we have struggled for the very thing that God wants to do for us. He is pruning, therefore, for greater fruitfulness. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. The encouragement for you guys, if, if you're in that place, is that God now recognizes that he can bring that fruit out of you. <laughs> and therefore, he will do it again. And again. And again. And again. Do you know that there's this tender, caring sense of the Father. We are kind of growing internally by being with Jesus and then the, the vine dresser, the Father, he moves around us, cutting off branches that aren't producing fruit. It's sometimes ever so painful as he cuts, but he disciplines us for our holiness and for our great, greater fruitfulness. Don't be tempted to hold on to things that God is taking away from you as he prunes you. There is better, greater, more fruit to come. Do you believe that this year and for the coming days in Citygate? Fruit of character, Galatians 5, fruits of the spirit, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, Fruitful ministries, I'm believing that there'll be, some things will, will die, pruned. They'll, they'll stop for a season. Maybe it's your thing. Others will rise up. There'll be new fruit through Citygate because God is the gardener. He is working in and through us to bring that about. Maybe new life groups in different areas of town. Maybe life group leaders coming up and through with a passion and a vision to, to be these bunch of grapes looking for that everywhere they go as they each remain in him. As I close, my plea <laughs> that it is for my own spiritual life, is that we make this abiding our priority. 
Jesus said to a lady called Martha, you are worried about many things. You are anxious about many things. And there are really just few things. He says, in fact, there is just one thing. (laughs) And it's to be with me, sat at my feet. That's where you hear of me. That's where you remain. That's where the lifeblood of me will flow through you. That's how you will produce fruit. Last scripture. The end game is joy. Loved it. There's hope and there's joy. Martin and Cheryl, Hannah and and Rich, when they see Hudson, when they look in their eyes, it's joy. It's joy. That our joy and his joy may be complete as we remain in his love, remain in his word. We will know joy, incomparable, both now and in this life, and joy everlasting in his presence with pleasures at his right hand forever and ever. Friends, the call this year is to abide in the true vine, Jesus Christ. He is the vine. Why don't we stand together? We're going to sing in a moment. Let's just respond to God, shall we, for just a few minutes all together. We are (laughs) an incredible vineyard. God the Father, the vine dresser, is in amongst us even right now. He's caring, he's tending. For some, he's staking you back upright (laughs) because you've been battered in 2021. For others, he's right now even reminding you that he's there and he's for you and he loves you. You've disconnected, if you're honest. If you were honest, you say you've forgotten to stay close to him. And in these moments, I would say, as I've preached, there is no barrier. He loves you. And all he wants in the world is for you to come back and remain in him and stay and stay longer. And stay for your whole day, not just the 10 minutes that you give him in the morning. For others of you, you've been, even now, you're disconnected to the wrong vine. Where you're getting your life and your source and your dependence is not giving you joy. And it's not bringing life. Jesus whispers gently to you by the power of the Holy Spirit and he says, I am the vine. (laughs) The source is Jesus.
The power is the Holy Spirit. And the outcome is the fruit of the kingdom. <laughs> Let's just keep ministering to him. If you know you've got the wrong vine, just repent. Just say, God, I'm sorry. If you know you've disconnected, just repent. He loves you. <laughs> He's got fruitfulness for you. Just talk to him. He, he wants to be your friend. Some of you have forgotten how to talk to him. <laughs> Just tell him your concerns, your aches, your pains, your disappointments, your brokenness. Holy Spirit, help us to be a people and individuals who will abide in you. Lord, may this word set the tone of this year. Not more performance, not more striving, not more empty religion, but a personal relationship with you that brings life and joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.